0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is a good one. Me and Dan sat down and talked about uh, hunting farm country bucks. We talked about what Dan and myself like to look for when it comes to farm country, how bucks use farm country for bedding. We talked about all kinds of stuff in this episode. We talked about preset stands. We talked about trail cameras. This is a really informative episode and I think everybody is going to enjoy it. Before we get into it, i got to thank my partners, Osseo Gear. It's a great option for whitetail hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing company on the market in quality. Plus, you get a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. Can't beat that. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand longer. Visit ASIOgear.com to get you some great hunting clothing. All right, everybody, let's face it, we all have cameras that are lying around, either broken or completely worthless. Thankfully, right now, after a ton of great feedback from last year, Exodus is opening up an upgrade program. So how does it work? In short, order any camera on exodusoutdoorgear.com and use the code UPGRADE to save 25% off on any Exodus render Render bundle, rival, or rival bundle. After placing your order, the Exodus team will send you a return label for the trade in camera. After receiving the camera, they'll ship you your full order with that 25% discount. If you're new to Exodus Trail cameras, I'll just say this they got a five-year warranty, five year theft and damage coverage, and best in class customer services. Been using them their cameras for a long time and I, I really enjoy using them, getting ready to use their new model this year, the rival. Can't wait to try that thing out. Be sure to take advantage of these unique savings opportunities and replace an old piece of junk camera you got laying around for something nice like a new exodus camera this upgrade program is only for the remainder of april or while the their supplies last there at their hq as always be sure to head over to their website and sign up for their email newsletter and stay up to date with all their announcements i've caught wind that they have some really exciting announcements coming down the pipeline so be ready for that for more details on that campaign uh, the trade-in campaign head to exodusoutdoorgearcom page Exodus Upgrade Program. And I'll link all that in the description below. Hunting Beast Gear, makers of the best mobile stand and sticks on the market. If you guys have not gotten your hands on the Beast Sticks or Beast Stand, you haven't felt that wow factor yet. And at these shows that I work with with Hunting Beast Gear, Whenever someone new picks up a beast stand, that's what happens is they get this wow factor on their face. For the size and the weight, there's nothing that beats the beast stand on the market. you got to get your hands on one. It's developed by Real Mobile Hunters with a real-world experience. You guys are going to love their products, so head over to huntingbeastgear.com and pick you, pick you up some beast sticks and a beast stand. And finally, Stealth Outdoors. If you're not using stealth strips, honestly, you're not trying hard enough. Stealth strips are hands down the best silencing tape on the market. Once you put that stuff on your gear, it doesn't come off. It'll last for years, and it does exactly what it's supposed to. Makes your gear absolutely silent. Silence your preset stands with it. Silence your mobile gear with it. Go over to stealthoutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips. My favorite product that they sell is the buckle silencer. That seems like something that is constantly making noise is your buckles and you're swinging them around the tree or hitting them off something or they're dangling around. Put that buckle silencer on those buckles and be deadly quiet. The link to all my partners are down in the description of this episode, go and check them out. All right, everybody, let's get into the episode. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the show.
1: Hey everybody! Me
0: and Dan, uh, if we don't look real enthusiastic tonight, it's because I was sick all day yesterday, and Dan's still sick today. So we're we're going to struggle through tonight's episode. May, we may cut her a little shorter so we can get some rest.
1: No, yeah, I actually haven't slept in days.
0: Yeah, see, I was the opposite. We I don't I don't know if we had the same thing either because. Yesterday, I was I ran like 101 temperature all day and then just couldn't. I mean, this had like body aches all over. and even My hands were like throbbing all day too. It was super weird. But I, I didn't have all the congestion and stuff that you guys have. I, I didn't have any of that. Now, Maddie, had, Maddie was, is all stuffed up, still is. But uh, I don't know. I must have got something else. Eric was down here and he, he had it. Um, So I think he passed it along to us, which it is what it is. Uh, but I, I, you didn't sleep yesterday. I slept more yesterday than I have in years, I think.
1: So Saturday was really bad.
0: Yeah. yep. It's going around cause I know Gary has it and, um, uh, I've heard a bunch of people up, up there that have it. Um, not fun, but
1: I, I guess it, I had it almost kicked over the weekend. And then, uh, I figured sick or not, I'm going out scouting and, uh, I went out scouting and uh ended up it started pouring on me. Like a freak rain I didn't expect. I guess it wasn't a freak rain, but I never checked the weather. I got caught yeah. way out and uh, downpour way out in just a t shirt and mm. got soaked.
0: Flared it back up. Yeah. You find anything good scouting?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I found some good stuff. That's good. We That's just put work. up a scouting video. I don't know if you saw that. Yep. Yeah, I did. It's
0: like you found a shed
1: yeah, yeah i put that in there just for you i was thinking what you want to put that in there
0: no, thanks oh that's funny we uh this weekend me eric and gary all walked around in the hills we i mean between the three of us we probably had 30 miles and just found one that's all the thing we found was one shed so um which was a little bit surprising to me but
1: you know me and uh, me and uh um jacob went and started uh, um finished scouting an area that, uh, I started scouting, uh, before the shows and we went in there and finished it up and really made sure we knew what was up. And, uh, you could tell nobody's been in there, not scouting, not hunting, nothing. It's really <laughs> dense, tamarack swamp and it's isolated. It's hard to get to, you get across a river. Um, and it looks like people seldom get back there. I can't believe the sign back there and you don't find any sheds. It's hmm. not like I'm looking for sheds, but you think you'd run across a few.
0: Right. Just walking down a trail or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: don't know. Must not be there when they're shedding. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of sheds get eaten up by cornfields and stuff where they never get found and get dissed over and stuff.
1: They could so, be. Uh, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of crops and it looks like the deer are going into the crops at this time of the year. So yeah. that's possible, but it does look like the deer are still bedding in there. In there. I mean, there's buck buck tracks and stuff everywhere. Yep.
0: Um, I was talking to Paul
1: uh, the other day, and we
0: were talking about shed hunting. He hasn't found very many this year. Um, He usually finds a bunch, and he thinks it's just because they held them on so long this year, and winters weren't as bad, so they didn't hold tight to their typical bedding winter patterns, and they kind of floated around or spread out or something. So probably something to that. Um, cause I'm not finding as many as I usually do either here, which winter was fine here, but it usually is. So, um, I'm going to talk about our, our new story here, Dan, that we picked out for tonight. Sure, which uh, one did you put? Let's see here. I'll share it. I don't know if anybody, if everybody saw this about this, uh, record book, Buck in Pennsylvania, they got shot, uh, It scored 228 and three-eighths. I think it just missed the uh, PA record by a a few-eighths of an inch. But there's a lot of controversy on it. A lot of people were complaining that the the gentleman that shot it, this guy is not the guy who shot it. The gentleman that shot it doesn't have any pictures of himself with the buck at all. Uh, So people were giving him a hard time about that and come to find out he's actually an Amish guy or Mennonite, which Mm -hmm. kind of maybe explains why. He doesn't have pictures
2: with the right sure, and, and they were
1: upset because he didn't come forward right away. And their yep. whole philosophy, um, those people is not to brag Rag. about, you know, yeah. they don't, uh, I, I've had, uh, Amish come to my, my booth at shows and stuff and talk to me about hunting and they'll tell me, uh, about big bucks they shot and say, I can't show you a picture. We're not allowed to take pictures of those. It's, uh, considered bragging. They'll, right. They, they've told me that. So.
0: Right. Um, which I guess it is, but so <laughs> it, it makes is, sense. Yeah. It, it makes sense to me that they they wouldn't do that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but it, it's an absolute giant of a deer. There was some other stuff circulating about this deer on social media. So if you guys look at this picture of the deer there with the drop tines and the big kickers, well, they got like video of this thing walking through a construction site uh, in the middle of town here, <laughs> kind of acting weird and um
1: probably just the right day and rut yep well but people, people were saying it was a uh, farm deer or something but there's no yeah. tags in there. there's just no marks from no. a tag you
0: know? right right and here's pictures up in the summertime
1: i mean people it's just not credit
0: yeah it's not uncommon for a big buck like this to grow in town like that you know it's i mean look at those seek one guys that they that's where they kill all their big ones yep um so yeah, I don't. I don't know where the guy killed the the deer or anything. It you know if it was on a farm near town or uh, what the case was. But anyway, pretty interesting deer. Really, really, really big deer. But I know Amish there. Uh, they can be hard on deer. Some of them are really good hunters. It's surprising to me how many come up to us in those or at the uh, shows and talk about deer hunting with us.
1: Yeah, there's Amish um, people using our stands.
0: Yeah, yeah. They
1: can drive a car, uh, but they can drive a, a hunting beast gear stand.
0: Right, strap it to their bicycle, and their buggy. Um, I think even to the workshop, you've had. Have you, you said you've had people come to the workshop that are Amish or Mennonite from time to time?
1: Mm, I think I had nope. some that were Mennonite, but not, yeah. not Amish. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know the one guy that was there this year. Kind of, he kind of seemed like maybe he was Mennonite or something.
1: Right. Um. But it's not like you ask him either. But now, right? but when, uh, when they're wearing homemade blue jeans or whatever. Right. Right.
0: I know in uh, Ohio we had that one uh, Amish guy come up to us and like talk about how he liked watching our videos and stuff. It kind of threw threw us off a little bit, you know.
1: Well, it's several yeah. of them tell me that, and it's just it's still. It's like, um, you know, you know, in, in Wisconsin, they can't, um, the most of the Amish here aren't allowed to, you know, have phones or whatever, but it's a, per Amish group yeah. that they, they decide that stuff. Uh,
0: yeah. It depends on what church you're in or involved in. I think.
1: Yeah. I, I saw a really funny, um, I think it was, um, family guy. Was it that or Homer Simpson, um, short on, uh, the reels on Facebook. And it was about the Amish and it was like, uh, um i think the family guy guy was turning amish or something he was talking about how it has to be the the perfect religion because they were smart enough to know that god said right between 1836 and 1842 that's when we hit our peak for (laughs) development. we can't develop anymore i was laughing my ass off
0: oh it's funny uh i know uh my one of my favorite episodes of family guy is uh They go to war with the Amish because like, I think Meg is going to turn Amish or something. I don't remember exactly how it goes, or she's going to marry an Amish boy and the, they go to war with the Amish and they're like blowing up their, their barns and stuff, but the Amish build them up faster than they can blow them up. So like they blow them all up and they get built back up real quick. And then they end up beating them because of the, they build their barns too fast.
1: (laughs) Some of those uh, Amish people that watched the show contacted me and said they could put my building up in in a couple of days and yeah. They quoted, quoted it a lot less than yeah. what I'm for it, and my it still ain't done, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But I'm I, yeah, uh, contracted somebody or I probably would have, yeah. Um, who I'm I've called twice of, from last month asking, When are you getting back over here to get this finished? and I haven't got one answer,
0: right? I'm a fan of the Amish. I, their, uh, their lifestyle. Sometimes I envy that a little bit, some certain parts of it, the simplicity of it. And, the I bet they sleep good at night, you know,
1: just, yeah, you you know, it's, it's, uh, crazy from the outside looking in, but when you have a simple life like that, you raise your kids, right. And stuff, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't seem a little weird the way they are with things and stuff, Mm -hmm. but if you, you ever meet Amish kids and stuff, you're so polite and nice and hardworking. Yeah. Yeah. It's they're good 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 people. Yep.
0: Yep. Most of yeah. them I think. And
1: you know, when you get into like farm country and stuff and you know in the country, you see the farm kids are good kids usually. You know, you know, these kids that are sheltered from the city crap and stuff. But now, you know, it's infiltering the schools and everything else, and you know, it's yep. time to infiltrate the country and the only thing that ain't bothering it really is the Amish. I mean, they're still staying like normal. Yeah never saw yep. an Amish tranny
0: they uh they are uh very uh dedicated to their beliefs that is for sure they're they're uh much less hypocritical than most people you know um
1: but anyway we're well, we getting to far that particular one shot an awfully big buck and uh, yes
0: <laughs> yeah giant yeah it's it's a, a shame
1: you have to take the criticism of everybody pointing yeah. fingers at them but I've been yeah. there. You shoot big bucks. That's what happens. Right. You, you know, uh, before you get out to, to what we're doing, I just mm-hmm. want to say that, um, a lot of people big into hunting, you know, bigger names, <coughs> excuse me. Um, actually have a system for if they ever shoot something really big, um, how they're going to take pictures and video. And some of them will actually call a warden in before they even touch the buck and stuff and see if he wants to be there, be present because, mm-hmm. uh, there's such a, um, you know, so many people point fingers at people that are big in the industry. That's why, you, you know, it's actually good for guys like you and me to just film everything. Yeah. They have a record because they just want to, you know, they could stick a thermometer in it and say that it w- was killed sometime when it wasn't based on, the, you know, and have some scientists so-called who's really just looking at uh, some numbers say, nope, this was killed uh, 14 hours ago or something. But if you got it on video, they can't say anything like that. They can't right. you know, nobody can kind of accuse you of something you didn't do if it's on video. Mm,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's true. For sure. Um you want to get on to some some farm country so we can we can talk about that before you hack up along. Sure. <laughs> All right. So this is gonna be the probably the final episode of talking about different terrain features and, and how we go about hunting them. Um, it's going to be a popular one. A lot of people, I mean, a lot of folks hunt farm country, probably the majority of deer hunters are around some type of, of farm country at one point in time or another, especially if you hunt out of state or something. Um, so Dan, like, bef- I guess to start us off, can you talk about like, um, features of farm country you like to, to look at or, uh, farms you would like to, to seek out if you were going to like pick out a farm on a map to, to deer hunt?
1: Um, I really worry about access. I like farms that have multiple access from multiple sides. Um, uh, like, in particular, like Dave's farm has always been a problem because of a west wind access. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you, you access the wind to your back. So you're always looking for some off wind, you know, north or south or, you know, you're looking for that east wind or, you know, some way to get back in there without spooking the deer because of that wind in one access. Now I could work out accesses with the neighbors, but then they're going to feel welcome on the property. You know? Yeah. And the one neighbor has really bad property and he hunts. And I've, I've gone across his property once or twice for something. And when you do, he's always like, well, you know, um, I wouldn't mind going over there and sitting in that corner over by your spot. You can come over here anytime you want. And I really don't even want to have those conversations because then I look yeah. like the dick when I'm saying no you know, especially knowing that that guy would shoot anything he sees and I'm trying to grow animals, you know? yeah. So I try to just go in the access that I have available and, uh, it's hard. So, so <clears throat> I'm looking for good access. I'm looking for properties that lay out that would have good bedding. So you look at it and you say, Oh, this would hold dear. When you look at a map of a property, I don't just look at the property on farm country. I back out. How do the neighboring properties look? Now, this isn't that important. If it's the only property you have available to you, well, well, then you're gonna hunt what you have. But if you're looking to lease it, or or if you're looking to uh, ask permission or something, if you look at it and you back out, you can see sometimes the properties around it have much more structure or, or better property. And you might say, well, geez, if I make any kind of uh, impact on this property, they're just gonna run right over there, you know? Um, yeah. I'm looking for places that don't have other hunters. I mean, that's why you go to farm country in a lot of cases, if it's private land. Um, But really access without being seen or smelled and uh, good bedding cover, um, good neighbors, areas with a reputation.
0: What about uh, like uh, bedding features on a a farm? Is there like any particular one you like to see better than the other?
1: Uh I I guess I like to see um um scattered cover. I mean different types of elevation. Like I like to see lowland with with um water, like woodlots that are in the middle are, are swampy. Yeah. Um because they'll hold more bucks um if they got swampy type cover, like low wet tree type brush grass, yeah type cover in the middle of the, the, the woods, which is common in some farm areas because yeah, those are the areas that couldn't be farms, you know, couldn't have crops put on them. So they leave those natural. So a lot of times the wet areas are the areas left alone. So those wet areas are really good. Um, <coughs> uh, you, you know, having um, more than one woodlot on them, you, you know, like scattered um, areas to bed, that they don't always have to be in the same spots, little hidden spots to the side, they can be just micro little spots of a couple acres or something that can hold deer, Um, those kind of things.
0: So you'd rather have like three tiny little wood lots on a property than one big, you know, big woods.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, What about like fence rows and stuff?
1: Well, fence rows are really good. I mean, um, especially if you're thick. Um, And what I find on the fence rows is usually again, and this is farming, farmland in general, if you're looking at like flat farmland, Highest and lowest elevations.
2: Mm-hmm. So, when
1: you're looking at fence lines, I mean, the majority of the time, the bedding is at the highest elevations on the fence line and the lowest. The lowers, you know, that uh, down low, kind of near water level, higher grasses, higher, yeah. a lot more brush, and the low stuff. And then up high where they can see a lot of ways and get the wind. So, they like the highest and lowest elevations along fence lines, but they like that everywhere on the farm. So if you put the cover where those highest and lowest elevations are, and you look for that, um, generally, you'll you'll find some of the best bedding. <coughs> wherever it lays, the highest and lowest elevations. But that's on flat farmland. If it, w- it went to, like, really hilly, then you'd start looking more at the uh, things we talk about in hill country. But uh, highest and lowest elevations, uh, down wooden edges, kind of like when you're bedding on that tree line, they're kind of watching one side and smelling the other, right? You have right. the wind coming crosswise and when they're in you know, a uh, squarish wood lot, you know, if it doesn't have that swampy stuff in the middle, it has, if it's just woods generally, you know, they're on the edge. If it's all the same type of timber inside of that, that wood lot across, they'll be on one side or the other. And it'll usually be the downwind side or the side watching access where people come from. Um, one of those two is this really, really common in farm country. For big bucks to, to watch the access. Cause people always come in from the same spot, the same where, you know, they park at the farm and they come right out from the same spot.
0: Right. Which brings you back to why you want multiple ways of access in the farm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's pretty uh, boggling. How many people will ask us about uh, a property and they only have, you know, the first thing they tell us is I only have one access. I park here and go in, you know, um,
1: Sometimes you look in there and you're like, well, why couldn't you park here? Well, I could, but this is where I usually park. Before history is written, Bobby
2: Orr, behind the
1: it's played. Tinelli, Nister, Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Right. So you right. said you had one access. Well, it's still the same side. Yeah, but it's the other end of one side.
0: Huge yeah. difference. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. A deer may never expect you to come in from just down the road a little bit. Um right. so yeah, think about that when you're hunting hunting a farm, especially if it's like big open fields. I mean I mean, deer, they're not they're not dumb, you know. If if they can sit there and watch you, it's um, you're probably getting watched as you walk into a a farm, right.
1: and I try to um, do the same thing back to them. I mean, I think it's you know, turnabout is fair play, right? So, yeah. one of my favorite things to do in farm country, especially if I'm not real familiar with it, is to to get off to the side without getting into it too far, without making too much of an impact, and get up really high in a tree like, and and, and watch the farm in a spot where i don't think i'm going to impact the deer at all yeah and just watch what comes out where how it travels things like that and just get an idea for how those deer move around and try to get eyeballs on a shooter and then yeah. you, you have a pattern so see so what i see a lot is you see those deer come out of that downwind side of that that uh wood lot like i was saying oh they're building on that downward edge but how do i get close to that i could never get close to that if I, if I go in there when the wind is right, the deer aren't there. They're on the other side. If I go in there when the, uh, when the wind's right for the deer to bed there, they see me set up. But when I watch the deer, I find some sort of kink in their armor. Okay, they, they kind of go over there a little bit. They end up, you know, eventually in that spot. And if I crawled to here and set up there behind this bush, maybe from the ground here, or maybe I can get in that tree, you figure out some plan by watching them from a distance.
0: Yep. That's something like a lot of, not a lot, but like it seems like public land hunters are more willing to do something like that. But guys that just hunt a private farm, then they've hunted it for years. They almost never make some type of a move like that on their private farm.
1: When we started doing that at Dave's farm, it was really hard to convince Dave of that when I first met Dave, he just liked rotating through stands like everybody else. And he would shoot every deer he saw. You wouldn't believe that knowing him in his later years. But it took a long while a long amount of time for him to change by watching my success. But, uh, when we, when he finally got on board with doing observations and stuff, we started killing deer and getting onto deer and bigger deer. And then he said, it really started to click for him. But, uh, um, he wanted to hunt like every day and, and it's 70 acres. Yeah. And, uh, if you hunt every day, you kick all those deer out of there and his land is surrounded by better land. It's hunted less. So when I, when I set up some observation stands and put them in permanent places where you sit way back where deer don't go and just watch and just to make it, you know, in the beginning, and and this might help some people who got like a dad or a brother or something who's not quite on board, just to make it in the beginning feasible, I put a food plot underneath it or whatever, and then put Dave there and you got a chance to kill something here. But you can really you can see through here, you can see through there, and we actually went as far as to take a chainsaw and cut little openings, yeah, to be able to see back fields and stuff like that. Because he owned the property, you know, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. So So um, he would be able to go out there and hunt as much as he wanted. Because sometimes I think he just wanted to get away from the wife.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> and uh, he'd go out there and sit, and uh, then one day he'd call me up. He go, "Okay, Dan, big buck showed up yesterday, and it was doing this, this, and this. And what do you think we should do?" And you look at the weather. You go, "Okay." the wind's going to be exact same. What did the deer do? Okay. So you hunt here and I'll hunt here. And we go in after him. You remember that uh, video of that buck that I shot twice at his farm?
0: Yes. Over. And he had like a little micro food plot, right? Yep. Right in front
1: of his stand. Yeah. Yep. That buck, Dave did an observation in the front of the farm and the buck came out, uh, into a little field and, uh, from the back right at dark so uh he calls me says he saw that buck came out here It's going this way the wind was doing this blah 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 he's like uh you know let's go after it I'm like okay so as a team we went in and uh, he observed the buck let him pick the spot and he wanted to sit right where he saw this deer and i went to the back and i wanted to pick a spot where i thought it might come out kind of or at least i'd see it you know and i went to that that spot with that little micro plot and it came to me and I think it would have eventually went to Dave. I think it was on the same route. Matter of fact, when I shot it, it ran halfway to him where, where we found it dead was on the trail going to his spot where he was sitting. But there was, it was killed because of an observation and then a move in to kill to hunt.
0: Right. Um, speaking of food plots, what, like what is your food plot strategy on, uh, your little private farm there, Dan?
1: Um, right now I don't really have one. I got, I got, I got some seed from, uh, the racks guy. He's always really nice to me. gives me whatever I want. He's a, the guy's got some awesome seed. Um, I got some seed from him and I might put it in, but I'm waiting to see, um, if they're keeping the farm. I mean, um, right. I'm not going to call an ass, but I'm going to go back past to see if they're, they're the uh, farmers planting it. Then i will know. And if he's planting, then uh I'll see where he's planting because he might be expanding where he's planting, and then I'll put something in. I'll probably put some uh um clover in there and maybe some um brassicas or something or a mix, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I guess like more specifically, like where do you place them on your farm,
1: like for them to be useful um, to you? So for me, the biggest use of a food plot. Is to, if, you, if you have the room, is to put in a big plot and put a mixture of all kinds of stuff in there. Put strips of a whole bunch of stuff in there and separate them and put cameras on each type of food and you can kind of watch what goes to where when. And uh, you don't put it where you're going to hunt. You go there and you could shoot does or whatever if you wanted to or put your kids there or something. I, I have a hard time hunting does. But uh, you have that up in the, like front of the farm or whatever, and that's just the whole deer there. That's just to keep them wanting to be around. It's to hold numbers of does in there or whatever. And then if you wanted to put kill plots in, I put them in, in the same kind of spot where you would be if you were hunting a bedding area. Right. Really close within a hundred yards of the bed, little tiny micro plots. And uh, I really like clover Um, clover's most of the season. And it's easy to maintain especially if you get it back in the woods a little ways and it does well without sunlight well not without sunlight but in low sunlight right It does well in, <coughs> in wet ground or high ground and uh you get a good mixture and if a buck is is bedding in that area he's not going to walk by there and not check out that clover usually he's going to wander to it kind of you know so if you, that's worked well for me um yeah
0: no that's a a real good tip because I know. I mean, I know a lot of people that hunt like a small private farm, you know, they, they plant their one acre of whatever on their property and then they set that food plot every time they go in there and sit, you know.
1: Yeah, kill it, plot it, is really small, it's the size of a, a little bigger than a kitchen.
0: Yeah, yeah, so like probably not even a quarter acre, then right? Just like a eighth of an acre or something like that. Yeah, is that all you guys had on Dave's farm or did you guys ever plant bigger stuff?
1: We did. We planted some bigger stuff. We put okay. corn in there. We put beans in there. We did all kinds of stuff because they weren't farming it. We did have yeah. some headaches. I mean, his uh, his mom said we couldn't use uh, um, any sprays or anything because she wanted to have an organic property, but her, her his mom was senile. And uh, she thought the sprays were killing everybody. They are all dying from cancer and stuff, which is true to a point, but, I mean, she went overboard on yeah. She also thought right. that, uh, government was spying on her with flying saucers and they had, right. right. So, yeah. so Dave sprayed it anyways, but, uh, <laughs> not on me. That's on. The, yeah. And, uh, right. And we did, uh, some rather large areas. Um, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say huge, but we did some fairly, uh, you know, a, a big enough cornfield that they didn't need all the corn. You know. yeah.
0: Something else I wanted to ask you about farm country is kind of how you go about putting trail cameras up on your farm.
1: Um, if I put cameras up, if they're in bedding areas or anything like that, um, they're there to stay for the season. Um, but I'm talking regular cameras. Um, the only ones I check are ones along trails and that's done really well for me, actually. Like when you say trails,
0: you talking like man trails, right?
1: My trail. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I talk about mixing accesses up, but you do usually have a main axis, And the reason you do is because deer get used to it and they'll accept that point. You know, if you're hunting deer at a certain area and uh, you let the deer in the front observe you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but, uh, where I have to walk, I'll drop cameras. And when I walk past them, I'll grab a card, put a new card in, and just not even check it till I get home. But then when I get home, check it or I'll check it in my tree. Um, and that's actually, um, given me tips to find really big bucks. Um, what's funny about that is like, uh, I had one of those cameras at Dave's, um, this last year, and I really didn't put it out to catch deer. I put it out to catch a trespasser, um, that was causing problems. And I put it right on the trail where I access right up by the farm. And, uh, on my way into, to hunt, I grabbed the card, put a new card in there. And I had done that three or four times. I'd already caught the guy once trespassing. Right. And I get to my tree and I didn't check it. And that's the night I shot that buck in the neck that looked up at me. And uh, when I got home and checked the camera, that buck was all over that card for the last few days. I'd never seen that buck before. Hmm. Yeah. So it tells you. I mean, a lot of times on that, on that farm, a buck would show up. And if you didn't get those pictures or know about the pictures being taken, you know, you know, or have a camera out there, you, the buck would be gone before you got a chance to kill him.
2: You know, sometimes
1: right. there's, there's certain big bucks that cruise through once in a while, they spend a day in there and be gone. But other bucks would come in there for three or four days or a week. And then they're gone. They bed in an area for two weeks, then they're gone. You know, it's a small farm, you know, so you got to hit that timing, right? So cell cams really come in handy. If You get cell cams out there and you got a really good battery system or whatever so that they last so you don't have to keep going by them. And you put them in key travel points and you don't have to put them in kill positions. You just have to put them where that deer is going to move through so you know when he's there. And you can kind of look at times. I mean, if it's midnight, you know, well, he's probably coming from some other farm. You just hold back until there's some timing. And some pitchers and amount of pitchers that you know he's in you know, like on the farm and then you then you let your scouting and stuff take over and you move in for the kill.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's again, guys that hunt only private, that's hard for them to do too, you know. We like having that uh um, having the ability to be a mobile hunter and having that skill set is such a benefit in more ways than just being able to be mobile, you know, it's, it's like, I can go and hunt public anytime I want because I'm, you know, very efficient with a mobile setup. Whereas guys that just use them things on occasion and kind of don't like doing it and haven't got used to it. They just end up going to their, their private 40 that they've hunted 15 times this year already, you know? Right. Um, what makes
1: me a good private land hunter is because I'm a good public land hunter. Right. That taught right. me how to private land correctly. I don't go out yeah. and pound that farm. Not that I got it to myself. I mean, I only hunt it here and there when I need to be there. You know, I don't need to overpressure to it or I'm the only one hunting it. Yeah. Um, and and I go in and most of my hunts are mobile. I go in there, and slide a stand-up, slide it down, slip out. I do put permanent stands there because I can. The greatest thing about a private farm is that you can do things. You can trust cameras out there to a point, you can right. trust, you know, putting a stand-up lock into a tree and it's legal. I can cut some branches. I can alter the land. I can put some food in, but I still want to hunt it and treat it like I do the public because I know that how delicate deer can be. But other guys think, well, I got a private farm. I got the food here. I got the bedding here. They're just going to be here. If I stay out of the bedding, I'll eventually kill a deer. And what they're doing is they're just growing that deer until it eventually leaves and a neighbor shoots it or something. Because You've got to move in. You you know, you got to push that envelope to kill him. And he's never going to come out far enough for you to kill him if you're sent in there all the time. You know, so you have to, you know, get your timing down and still still need to understand stuff to be an efficient farm killer. You know, you can get on a cushy farm and kill bucks on a regular basis rotating through stands. We've all seen it on TV shows, right? I've been on these ranches and seen it done. But I can tell you right now, those same people would be so much more efficient on the giants that live on those farms. If they understood the betting really well, they had setups for each spot and they moved in at the right time.
0: Yep. Typically were those anymore, at least those farms, they cost uh you got to have the money to be on those farms anymore. It seems like.
1: Well, even the leases, I mean, it used to be, uh, I mean, a lease was like 500 bucks and now I'm, you know, I was looking at some leases the other day and I was like, The hell would pay twenty thousand dollars to hunt on somebody else's farm? Yep. And then you only get like the bow season or the gun season. Twenty thousand for the gun season, twenty thousand for the bow season. It's like
0: it's insane. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a deer, man. You're supposed to be hunting for food.
0: Yeah. Uh, There's a um, there's a farmer that's a well known farmer that leases ground to a lot of my buddies who have been on this lease on and off. It's a it's a thousand acres, which is pretty big. Um, And I've never. Really been on the farm, so I don't know exactly how it lays out. But he charges like ten thousand dollars for it, but you have to share it with ten guys. And I'm just like, ten guy, ten, ten families. You can, you know, then you can bring your sons or your daughters or your wife to, or whatever the case
1: may be. And I'm just like, so he's making a hundred grand off of it.
0: No, it's ten thousand. It's a thousand a person. Oh, okay. But he he allows ten people to come on there, so yeah. it's not like. You know, it's not like you and a buddy go together on 10 grand. It's 10 guys. That do yeah,
1: it. I, I know yeah. a guy who's got a kennel and he's got uh, uh, dogs and stuff and he uh, has a large property and he yep. uh, plants pheasants out there and stuff. And he's got $10,000 a member and he's got members that come all the way from New York and stuff, fly over to hunt. And yeah. uh, some of them even only bird hunt for that money. Yeah. Don't yeah. even go after the deer and stuff.
0: Just to me, I mean a thousand acres is a, a decent chunk, but I it's just like when you got ten families on it, it's like if they hunt it all very much, you know, it's gonna get hunted and um, there's probably not you know there's probably not twenty good spots on that property, you know, at least for a, a big giant buck.
1: Uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a payment like ten thousand dollars a year to hunt on a property, I'm buying it. Yeah, right.
0: Right. I know a couple of my buddies got off that. I had two of them that were on that lease and they got off of it this year. I guess the farmer, um, on top of the lease, he would, uh, um, of course that doesn't include turkey hunting or anything. And then he would also shoot deer in the summertime with the, he would buy, or he would get deprivation permits and then shoot deer in the summer. Him and his, the farmer and his son would, which would be pretty irritating if you were paying to deer in it, you know, he shouldn't do that. Um, but that's all like, like everybody, uh, is always envious of people that have a lot of land to hunt. And sometimes it's just like pain in the butt, you know, it's like you get, you get screwed. I I hear a lot of guys that have those big, uh, they don't call them leases down there. They all call them like hunt clubs down South. And it's like a whole bunch of acreage, but it sounds like there's all kinds of crap that goes on, on those, those, uh, hunting clubs down there too. There's a bunch of people on them and they're just now uh, not that why. Brings
1: up a good point. I mean, there's always some baggage that goes along with uh, private properties. You know, it's not your property, whether you join a club, whether you go hunt somebody else's property, whether you knock on a door and get permission, there's always well you can hunt, but but this or, or you know, right. we've all heard the guy that says you gotta shoot every turkey you see, or you got you know, I don't want you passing on 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 does or or uh uh I don't you know. You can't shoot this, or, or you can't do that, or I don't want you here in the mornings waking me up. I don't, you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. stipulations you know, no on it. And sometimes they're really weird stipulations. I don't want to get into detail about the ones I had, or I'll piss people off that are listening that may have been involved with that. But there's always stipulations. Where when I go on public land, it's my rules. Right. As long as I follow the laws, I do whatever I want. If yeah. this is somebody off, that's their problem. Yeah. They can do whatever they want.
0: Yeah. It is always freeing. Like, um, yeah. And he, and he, he, he would laugh at it, but the farmer that owns the farm I'm on, it seems like I don't go down there that often, you know? And, uh, and he doesn't either, you know, he's a, he's just farms. It. He's not, he's not like there every day, but it seems like every time I go down there, I'll park somewhere <laughs> and he'll, he'll end up needing to get like a, for some weird reason in the middle of the winter, he'll need to like get a big piece of machinery through the, the driveway or something. And I'll be parked there, you know, I'm like, gosh, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, I, and we don't have service for him to call me. And I'm always, I always just feel bad. It's like, gosh, I hear I am holding him up. i not on purpose. And he's like, yeah, he goes, he goes, I did. not He's like, I ain't been down here in two months, you know. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't either. But it just seems like all that little those little things like that happen where you don't have to think about that stuff on uh on public land. And wow. the same things happen on, on public too as they do on private. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been sitting on a piece of private and the farmer's cows were out or something, and then all of a sudden your deer hunt turns into herding cows for the farmer or um, you know, or they, you know, decide to come in and start just mowing something for no reason, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. I'll never forget when I was in high school, my dad owned, uh, my dad owned 40 acres and he sold it to this neighbor guy that lived next to the property. And the stipulation was we could still hunt it, have sole rights to it. And uh, I did kind of what we were talking about earlier. I, on this 40 it was just a big CRP field and we had a small food plot down in the corner of it. And instead of parking up at the house where the guy owned it, which was a much shorter walk down to our tree stand, I parked up by the road and walked in. And, uh, of course, he didn't know I was there then. Uh, and I had this really nice eight-pointer coming in. I had him on camera. I mean, it's like hundred, you 130, 135-inch eight-pointer, really good eight-pointer. He was walking right down the middle of the CRP. He would bedded in the CRP, walking right down to my stand at the corner, only trailing the freaking thing. He's going to come right by me. And, uh, the, the farmer or the, the landowner, for some reason, like started his tractor up and drove it around his pond once and then put it back in the barn and it spooked the deer away. You yep. know, and, and later on I was like, Oh, what are you doing? You know, he goes, ah, I just hadn't started my tractor in a while. I thought I'd start it up and buzz it around get running a little bit. I'm just like, man.
1: Yeah. But, I, I had, I had one place that had a stipulation that, um, the guy wanted to see anything you shot. He's like, if you shoot something, I want to see it. You got to yeah. stop here and show me. And that happens quite often. They'll tell you that, you know, uh, they might not hunt, but they're interested in what you're doing, you know, and uh, I always hate that when I cringe at it because I can't tell you how many times I've seen people lose great farms because they shoot a big buck and they show the landowner, landowner don't hunt or whatever, but the, the season is like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know there was anything like that back here. Let me get a picture
0: yeah.
2: Pretty,
1: you know, picture with the, the, the farmer or he takes a picture of you with it or whatever. And all of a sudden the next season, or even maybe even the next day or two, he's got this cousin or this brother or this neighbor or this guy from church or something that he's been showing all these pictures to who hunts that he didn't even know hunted, but it's a good friend of his, you know, and uh, you you lose spots. Yep. Yep.
0: Happens all the time. Um, Yeah. Typically all the farms that I hunt that are, are private is I hunt them because the farmer lets anybody hunt them, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the, the thing, um, you know, even, even, uh, I have the one farm where I I was by myself on it, you know, but, uh, you know, the farmer got married and, um, his father-in-law hunts, you know, so now, you know, which is fine. It is what it is. It's part of it. I don't, I don't own the place. Um, so you just never know what's going to happen. Um, and it would be even more frustrating if you were paying for it, you know, and, and that was happening. All right. If you guys got any questions for us, do we need to cover anything else on? Oh, I had one more thing I was going to ask you, Dan. Uh, you mentioned permanent stands that you guys put up or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them, not mobile stands. Uh, what's your, what's your take on, on those on private farms?
1: I put five of them out there and I rotate through and every day I hunt one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, the permanent stands I put out sometimes go several seasons without getting hunted. I hunt them when the time's right. When there's a deer in there and it's usually once or twice a season. Um, sometimes a couple of years go by without them being hunted. I don't use high end stands. Um, sometimes I use lone wolves, um, Mainly because yep. I got a garage full of them and they're pretty quiet. Um, yeah, back when I used to work with them. Um, but uh, I just buy a cheap stand and make sure it's semi quiet. Put it up and and all I have to do is get up there quiet. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. Because if somebody comes through and steals them all, if you put something up there that's you know really top end, you're gonna be hurting. Mm. But um, knock on wood, I haven't had my stuff stolen yet. Um, and I think it's gotten better nowadays because of cameras and stuff, people worry you got cameras on the property. Right. But, uh, um, I, I rotate through the stands, um, in a way that I only hunt them when I see a deer in the area, I get pictures of a deer in the area. I think he's bedding in a certain spot coming out a certain way. And then I have stands put on like bed exits. Matter of fact, um, I walked through the farm this spring, um, about a month ago, I think, and was looking at some stuff and came up, uh, to the top of this one bedding area and looked up and I got a stand there on, uh, exit. I forgot I had that it there. It's probably been there for six years. <laughs> I don't think I ever hunted it there. I think I put that there to cover one exit, you know, at this time of the year and just left it for the next year or the next year after that. And over time, I forgot it was even there. Yeah. That's funny.
0: Do you ever, uh, are you a ladder stand or lock on type guy?
1: Usually I uh, like the lock on kind of stands.
0: Yeah. But you have like, you'd think there's an issue putting ladders up as long as you got cover and everything to. No, you <laughs> can do it. I mean,
1: I know it's, um, for a lot of guys that, uh, that I talk to, um, they get older in age or to get real heavy and they start getting older. They, they have a hard time with the tree stands, the sticks and stuff. And, um, maybe they've had problems with an accident or something, their legs are hurt. A lot of guys have to use ladder stands. Just, they do. So yeah. um, th- there are some downfalls to them. I mean, they got like set heights instead of getting them right into the cover. Um, they're usually fairly noisy to climb. Um, but they'll work. I mean, and you can make them quieter. You can, you, you can lock them in just right so they don't make a lot of noise. Usually over time, they start, settling or something and they start making yeah
0: but, cranking
2: and
1: bending. yeah but they work um we get the ladder stands we got at Dave's um we got uh two of them and uh one of them is in a spot where you really can't get a tree stand in the tree is so wonky but when you get in there you're kind of uncomfortable because of the wonky tree there and even in the ladder but uh it's really easy to get busted in that tree just because of you know the ladder stand yeah but I yep. t- tend to not like ladders.
0: I'm going to try to put up some permanent stands this year on some like good rut hunting spots. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not necessarily, um, you know, a place where I'm going to go mobile hunt and just sit there for a couple hours where, you know, if mm-hmm. we got to sit for a long day or something and yeah, I am thinking about putting some ladder stands up cause Maddie's going to be as big as a balloon. During deer season, I think she still wants to try to hunt a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I think ladders are going to be her only, uh, probably smart option if she's going to get in a tree at all, you know? Yeah. Um, everybody, I I put a link to get on the show in the comments. If you guys want to get on here and ask a a few questions before we get off of here. I think there's a Um, benefit
1: to having some stands too. In, in like, um, easy mm -hmm. positions near the farm where you don't do too much damage.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: The, a guy could get off of work and just run into one yeah i, I usually do that with like observation slash kill stands where you yeah. could possibly kill something maybe because of a food plot or something but you're watching yeah. i like to have a permanent stand there rather than set one up to watch number right. number one i don't want them seeing me unset it up because if i'm getting an observation stance because i can see it well they can also see you so you want to be able to sneak out of it right but right. Uh, uh the other thing is you get off of work and you got an hour before dark. You yeah know, something happens you got to go do something then you get out early and you didn't think you could hunt you're like okay now i can
0: get stand, quick
1: those permanent uh, stands like that yep
0: what do you think about like guys that put these box blinds up on their properties
1: well if you're going to gun hunt i don't think that's a bad idea um i think if you put it in an open area and you hunt there all the time you're probably not going to attract too many deer into that open area that are mature yeah. um but if you put it there and you leave it there and you only come out there gun season to hunt that that can be a pretty effective way especially if your property doesn't get a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and especially if uh you know it's got a, like small blocky brushy areas so does deer have to travel through somewhat open areas
0: yeah i know uh it's been a while since i watched this hunt and this guy's obviously hunting on managed property but I know Lee Likoski, he, he did like a breakdown of how he puts up his ground blinds and it was like oddly similar to the way that we, we hunt, but with like a redneck ground blind, it was like, he, he had a really large bedding area of pines and he just like excavated a half acre out of it and put a food plot in the, in the edge of the bedding area and then put the, that, the big freaking green ground blind, like tucked in the corner and, uh, you know, he was mentioning like, "Oh, you could about see the deer bed in the in the, mm-hmm. in, the um, in the bedding area right there." And then they'll come out in that food plot. Of course, he shot like a two hundred inch deer yeah. on that food plot. But I was like, "Oh,
1: there that you go." A good point. You know, if if you watch any of those shows, I, I hardly ever watch them, but I've tuned into right. a few, and uh, I'm not, I'm starting to notice that they're starting to figure out the bedding thing. Like they're starting to see all the the hype about what we're talking about and stuff. You see them starting to refer to where their bucks are bedded and stuff. If you go back uh, 15 years ago, they were doing what everybody used to do, stay out of the bedding, stay, you know, you put your food plots back. and Yeah. And uh, uh, you see a lot of them starting to adapt now to uh, smarter methods of hunting their farms.
0: Yep. Um, all right. You want to get to some questions, Dan, before we all pop off of here? We've been on here for about 50 minutes. Um, sure. Yeah, make sure you guys ask your your questions if you got any. and Give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing. Let's see here. I guess before we start, we got a couple guys commenting that they're having surgery tomorrow. So I think it's Ron's Garage and who is the other one I saw? But um, let's see here. Tag on it. I'm sorry. Russell, maybe.
1: A lot of people getting that gender surgery. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Anyways, so we'll, we'll send a prayer for you guys. Hopefully, you come right. out okay. Just joking.
1: <laughs> Maybe it'll make him smile. Anyways, uh, so. yeah,
0: I'm sure it did. I don't think many people take offense to us, Dan. I
1: hope you guys uh do, or do, do well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure, it'll be all good. Boy, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of chit-chatting in the comments tonight. Um, about Amish guys and drugs and surgeries and.
1: Uh you go off on more tangents than I do.
0: Yeah, it looks like it. I, I haven't been paying much attention to the um pay attention to the comments section. It looks like we're we got into all kinds of stuff tonight. Uh someone asked me about if I wear my new my safety harness I use this year into the stand or if I carry it in. I I wore it most of early season I wore it in and then during late season I carried carried it in and put it on when I got there just because I had a lot of times I like not wear my big jacket on, uh, on. Um, so I just kind of kept it in a little fanny pack. Um, hope that, hope that answers your question. I think that's what you were, you are meaning by that. you going to get you a new safety harness this year, Dan. I saw, I, I pre- talked to, I talked to the, I talked to the guys at, uh, Hunter safety system. They didn't know who we were anymore
1: yeah i uh, was gonna just go over and buy one and uh i never made it over there mine smells like uh cats <laughs> it has for about the last uh 15 years so. <laughs> it's, good. it's starting to turn white it's old so i probably should get one but i'll probably the, use new,
0: the new ones are pretty nice i tinkered with it while i was over there but i uh the guy, I mentioned to the guy about the pockets being real floppy or getting floppy. And he said, oh, the new ones aren't like that. And I kind of like was messing with him and they still seem like they could be like that. But
1: Yeah, they are. Um, I looked at them and I wasn't really impressed. You know, um, everybody you talk to that does hunting like us yeah. says they need zippers. They, you know, they need some sort of seal. And uh, they're just not getting it. I mean, I wish somebody else had come out with something. They're, they're a little heavy and they need to, to do something. Where you can utilize the pockets in them.
0: That that company got sold off uh, since the time you were working with them, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not the same people. Yeah.
0: People are making fun of you, Dan, because you you said you don't use high-end stands on your setups. Then you went on to say, I use lone wolves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not high-end (laughs) ones.
0: Oh, man. Uh, Let's see here. Ron's Garage and... Uh, Ron asked if we were calling in tonight. I put the call-in link uh, in the chat, Ron, if you want to talk to us. Mm. Um, Twigs Angling asked, how long do you feel comfortable leaving a stand at Dave's and not worrying about the straps falling?
1: Failing. Failing, sorry. Um, I don't know. I've never really timed it. I had one that was making me a little nervous because it'd been on a tree and I don't know, it might've been 10 or 15 years and was, the tree had a permanent deformation. And I thought maybe the buckle would blow up or something. So, uh, um, I disconnected it, tried to put a new one on. I couldn't get the old one off or the tree stand out of the tree. Um, I couldn't even disconnect it. It was grown right into the tree. Um, but I knew the buckle would eventually blow up. So I just put another strap around it. Yeah. And, uh, I do occasionally check them. Yeah. I would suggest it's, that you uh, check them every year. It doesn't hurt it to just, uh, if you went in there, undone, did the stand and redid it once a year. Yeah. Put it back, or take a look at the strap. If the strap starts getting old or something, replace it. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I I have a stand, like a little, like a 15 foot ladder stand I have in my backyard that I shoot out of sometimes. And this year, that strap, I I went to like tighten it. I just like went to tighten it once and the strap broke on me. It was, must've been dry rod or something. So, Uh,
1: and from a um, tree stand standpoint, from uh, my background in R and D and stuff, I'll tell you, there's something more to worry about than, uh, than the straps. The straps are pretty strong. Uh, If they do go, it's usually the buckle because of the stretch of the tree, but the problem area, believe it or not, is usually the cables that hold Hmm. the uh, stand to the platform. Or the platform to the post, yeah, because uh, they have steel inside of the plastic. Mm. And if you put a pinhole in there or something, some way water gets in there, that'll rust and deteriorate. And pretty soon, it's got no strength, and you don't know it. And you'd be standing on those, uh those can blow up over time,
0: yeah, so, down uh, you
1: yeah. You might want to watch those. Uh, you can kind of feel if they're going if you kind of bend them around and you feel if like the material in there's broke, yeah. Um, not that I would bend them constantly or you're weakening them, but uh, you can check them kind of periodically and just see how they feel and stuff. I mean, uh, if they're stainless inside, you should be good. I don't know if they make too many that are stainless though. That'd be, that'd be hard to find. Probably not. But, uh, if water gets inside of those things, they rust out and that's more dangerous than your cables. Cause you won't see it coming. The big and thing. Your straps, is, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing is that you, you wear safety equipment. I mean, be strapped in before you even step into that stand. Yeah. I mean, you fall through the platform or something, and uh, um, you're hanging by a harness and you scrape your leg or something. You might be pissed, but you won't be dead. Right. For sure.
0: All right. Definitely not Brad. ass how long do you wait after dark before you leave if you have deer around you?
1: Uh, my record is like six days. <laughs>
2: Whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I- Usually, usually, I just chase the deer out of there. You yeah. know, uh, I don't care. Um, but if I plan on coming back, or I think my target buck's around, or it is my target buck, and he comes in after dark, which did happen to me last year. I had a, a really nice buck come in. And by the time he got to me, I couldn't shoot, because I, I could see him enough to shoot. But uh, it was technically after hours, and it, it wouldn't have been an ethical shot, because it, you're looking at a blob. So uh, I just waited till he left. And when I was sure he was gone, I got down. And that's basically my my basis of timing. When I'm sure he's gone, I'll get down. Um, but if it's those and stuff, I could care less. Chase him out of there. Hopefully they don't come back and bother me again.
0: Right. All right. We got a uh, call in here. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron.
1: Hey, how you
2: doing?
0: Good. How's it going, man?
2: It's going good. Good. So first off, I have to say, Russell, good luck with the surgery tomorrow for sure hope, hope everything goes okay good luck russ you so, got surgery too right ronald no i don't have surgery i was asking oh. about it before in, in the chat okay gotcha sorry yeah, yeah sorry no but, prayers um, for you then. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> go ahead so um questions I, I i i've seen those in my backyard literally morning time they're up in the woods they're they're, they're up high and, and it seems like they're going down low every single night, going down into the swamp behind my house. But bucks, I feel like, aren't doing the same thing. I, I feel like there. – do you guys think that they're, they're – they're, the west wind at my house is predominant and my neighbor's property has a ridge on the west wind, where it would be perfect, where it's blown over their backs, coming straight to them. But I've seen I, I've got bucks on camera on my property. I mean, I, I just don't know.
1: You know? Can can you find the bedding? I mean, uh, the, bucks the-, are, the bucks probably are bedding different, because um, does don't really worry about wind as much, because a, a doe group will bed in a circle and each watch a different direction so they kind of protect each other, where a buck bed solitary. And he's worrying about number one. So he he's gonna worry about wind directions, you worry about where he can see what he can hear and stuff. His beds are gonna be a lot more protected than a doe's. So especially mature bucks. So um, I think the key would be to actually find those beds. Well, so
2: I found some of those beds up on the ridge next to my house. But the west wind is, is blowing right up to the top of that 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 ridge. Now, you okay. have a cemetery on the other side of that ridge, and, and it, it's kind of just, I
1: don't know,
2: it, it's mind-boggling for me because when I'm on public,
1: public land out here, it's, do, it's Did you as, Look at those beds. Can you tell if they're bedding there on the west wind or on the wind that's over the ridge? I really can't. Usually, it uh, would be- what you tell about the, the beds is when you look at them when they're on a ridge, if it's a buck bed, he should have his back to an object, whether it be a tree, a rock, or something like that. So you'll see the beds in a in a, in a formation where each bed will have an object up to one side of it, right? That object yep. will always be to the uh, upwind side.
2: Yep, and there's and there's three different ones on this little little ridge that I have behind my house, and it's Looking it's downhill. one on one side, one on the other side. Okay, but it's all the wrong wind, and it's it's driving me nuts.
1: Yeah. He's probably betting in the same area somewhere when the winds are, are different. It's just a matter you might not be able to see the beds, or you haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a hard one.
2: I mean, they've been. I know they're betting in the swamp, but but once the once the swamp once it starts getting into that that um once everything dies down, they're not in the swamp anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean because it's wide open in the swamp and yeah uh, what's
1: right right it's early season bedding
2: right exactly
0: what's around that cemetery my property like is it is it thick or anything like that or like does
2: wicked thick green briars all all mm, brown they
0: could be up in there especially if people don't go up in there you know
2: they don't nobody goes up in there besides me Literally yeah, right trying, next to my house are I would think right it's that nasty
1: but there's no there's no real big sign through there that's that's my issue it doesn't have to be the big sign I mean I um a lot of it has to do with uh, the types of trees and stuff they'll walk right past certain trees to look for a certain type of tree to rub it has something to do with the aroma when they rub a tree they're looking at that aroma of the uh when they cut the bark because it's something yeah. to do with setting they got glands in your forehead and they're using that scent to get out of the tree, you'll, you'll find it like some bucks will like pines. Some will like, uh, you, you know, like, uh, the poplar trees and, you know, um, so there just might not be leaving sign in that area. It doesn't mean they're not there. I mean, the biggest buck I ever shot, I watched him bed in the same area for two years. He was there always on a West wind. It was crazy. There wasn't a rub or a scrape within a hundred yards of that bedding area. Right. Right. And I said, say he wasn't leaving rub lines all over the place and huge sign, but where he was bedding there wasn't crap. And I see that a lot where I see, where I see the best sign around bedding areas from big bucks is when there's competing big bucks. If you got like one big buck up there, he's not going to leave a lot of sign near his bedding area because the sign at a bedding area isn't to attract those. That sign is to tell other bucks. That's his. He doesn't have to tell two-year-old bucks that that's his. He'd have to tell competing bucks. Bucks that uh, challenge him, that it's says right? right? So good chance, you know, there's just one good buck up there, so he's not rubbing a lot. Where he is rubbing is probably where the does are.
2: Well, that's 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 my other thing. The does, I see them come out of the same area where I'm talking about mm-hmm. almost every morning and every night. Like, tonight I watched them walk from, from the cemetery across the field behind my house down into the cemetery or down into the swamp. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing over and over again, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I found beds up there. I know it's a buck bed. I know, just like you said, Dan. There's there's down trees right behind them. There's something right behind them, and, and it, it's literally a perfect setup. It goes around in a circle, you know this this ridge top, um, yep. and I'm when I say ridge, I mean like maybe a hundred yard a hundred yard uh, um, difference in height elevation from 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 the bottom of the creek. To up to where the top of the hill is you know what i mean but it's yep. it's this ridge where it goes around in a circle and a south wind would be perfect a north wind would be perfect like an east wind would be perfect but obviously we all know that the east wind you know never mm. predominant you know but it's, it's just weird i don't know mm. so
0: yeah it's a tough one
2: yeah
0: you could throw some throw a couple cameras out and just let them be for all a right. year you know
2: I have cameras up there. I've had it. Yeah. I've had com- cameras up there for for years, and it just seems like they dodge the cameras, honestly, because yeah. I have them on other cameras that are nowhere near any anywhere near there, and and they show up on those cameras. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm trying to put the pieces together here, and it's just yeah, know. yeah. I could That's on really public land. I found the perfect you know east facing slope where west wind coming over you know predominant wind is west wind so it's coming over the back there their, or over the top of their head they're looking down over this perfect area and it's like okay yeah that's why he's betting there you know all over the place on on public land but here it's like it's the exact opposite and it's driving me nuts
0: you guys yeah. have not not much pressure around there
2: well i mean there is There is a a quite a bit of pressure, but it's all around me, you know, Mm -hmm. So I I try not to go in there as much as possible. Like this year, I I hunted a ton of public land just to stay out of there, you know? Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like I should have, like Dan always says, just go in there and do it, you know, get in there early season and get it done.
0: How big of an area is it? Like how many acres?
2: I have um, eighty-six acres next to me. Um, the neighbor behind me has like hundred and eighty-six. It's it's like it's about a thousand acres of of people around me that hunt but don't really hunt, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I meant the property you're hunting on though. How, how big 86. is it?
2: Eighty-six. 80,
0: eighty-six. Acres. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Not sure. That shows a fairly good size then. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Best thing you do is probably just. Pound it right now until something clicks, you know.
2: I'm trying to do, it, man.
0: Yep. Sorry if we didn't help you any.
2: No, nah, that's cool. <laughs> I
0: appreciate you guys taking my call, man. All right, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Thanks, thanks
2: Ron. Thanks, thanks for right.
0: everything. Tough one. Yeah. All right. Jonah asks, any tips for hunting whitetails out west? And the, he's going to the Dakotas.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. hunt them like you hunt them out east. Yeah, deer, deer I, wherever you go.
0: Yep, I would tell you the only one thing I would change about that is um, observation sets can be extremely beneficial out there because typically you can see a long
1: ways. So. Yeah, because it mimics farm country. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. You, you, when you get the the, the uh, tactics down for farmland, big woods, and hill country, and swamps, you can hunt anywhere. Anywhere. Deer or deer. Yep. Yep. Like I you re- said, that makes farmland a little bit, even in the public, because of the mm-hmm. openness you can observe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Get out there in some of those open areas where you can see multiple bedding areas. And a lot of times bedding areas out there are like little draws or, um, you know, little things like that. They, there's not typically like big woods or anything or swamps out there. So get where you can see a few draws and sit there and watch one. Uh, either in the morning or in the evening, you know, you might want to burn a, burn a day to, to get your eyes on something.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's the thing we haven't talked much about because we don't hunt that area a lot, but, uh, yeah I have hunted in the past in some of that areas where it's real grassy, big areas and you have those, um, draws in the grass here that are really kind of like runoffs and they're just choked with brush and those yep. are where the deer bed. Yep.
0: Um, Oleg haven't heard from Oleg in a while. He has a question that I was going to bring up, forgot to. So thanks for the reminder. How do you see, how do you see where, oh, okay. How do you see where deer are going to bed and standing corn? Example would be 20 acre cornfield with thick CRP and brush on one side, small lake with some, some cattails on the other and two bean fields on the other. I was more going to ask you about standing corn, Dan.
1: Uh, I don't normally see big bucks betting in standing corn. Now, I know people are going to come back and go, Oh no, I see it all the time, but I don't. I've looked at a lot of corn. and I haven't seen much of that at all. What I do see is I see bucks on grassy areas in the corn. I see them in uh, tree lines in the corn. I see them in little, um, ponds and ditches that go through the corn fence lines that divide two corn fields. um, sometimes if there's a right elevation on, in a cornfield but think about it like this a mature buck wants the perfect spot to bed if he beds in corn there's always going to be a vulnerable way that he can't see or smell that a coyote or a wolf or some sort of predator could just run right up one of those rows of corn and get to him it's not the perfect um, bedding the only thing they have in that cornfield is isolation from people so the only time i've ever seen big bucks bedding corn is in areas that just don't have any kind of really um, cover outside of that corn. Like one of the areas I would say is uh, like when I hunted uh, southwestern uh, Iowa, and it was big, open, vast areas of cornfields and stuff. Well, then they petted in corn because there was nothing else; it was the only cover. But yeah. if you give them any kind of cover, they're gonna pick it over corn. Generally, when they're in cornfields, they're in tree lines, they're in little islands in the corn, or you can you can look at it like cattails. You look over to cattails and you see a point going into, you see, you know, formation. You see a a lone tree out there, like that big oak tree that's in the cornfield that they never cut and they go around. Those things are a rock pile that's out there are going to create the bedding in corn. Yep.
0: Something else I've noticed that pushes them in corn. Like if you start getting a lot of pressure in an area, a lot of times they'll divert to getting into those big cornfields you know i've noticed that during our gun season around here if like there's a big cornfield on our property it seems like the deer numbers just skyrocket um from all the pressure around from gun hunting
1: yeah I, agree with I, I see that sometimes too i i mean if the deer can't go anywhere where there is cover because of people and there's no people in the corn they're gonna go in the corn yep right
0: um Ferreira asked. He he actually Facebook messaged me here, and I told him just to buy new straps. But I said, "He says anyone have any good ways to get pine sap out of a nylon strap on the stand? You got any tips for that, Dan? You've
1: Uh, an axe. Use an an axe. axe. Yeah, just full swings. (laughs) Set it on a log, and (laughs) and then buy a new strap. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea how you'd get that out of there." And I think yeah. any chemical you use to remove it would would uh, deteriorate the strap. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's just sticky. I just leave it on there. I mean, I've had I've had them where they got pine sap on uh, my straps, and it's annoying. But I just, yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. At one point in time, the Biscay was selling them straps for super cheap.
1: Three um, bucks, I think,
0: for a while. Yeah, they were. They weren't very much. He wouldn't wouldn't uh, have much time. Uh, whatever your time's worth, I don't know. You'd have to, you wouldn't have to spend very much time to make up that three dollars on trying to scrub that sap off there.
1: Yeah, I don't think um, the three bucks anymore. I think we were, uh we had an overstock.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, let's see here. Someone asked, "What's the earliest we've seen bucks tending a doe?" Hmm. <coughs> uh, to me. And it,
1: yeah, Is I don't there, know. Like, with them the breeding? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I've seen them
1: probably. chasing goats in September. Yeah. Um. As far as breeding them, I don't know. But I've, I've seen, uh, you know, um, them have fawns outside of normal areas. I, I remember having a fawn go by me in September that had uh, spots and wobbly legs. It was red. Hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: A little tiny thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I think, you know, I've never seen them breeding or or anything um, in early season, but I've seen them uh, actively grunting and chasing does in September. I mean, as soon yep. as they have hard antlers, they can breed. It's just yep. rare. Right. And what rut is, is the peak time when most of them come in the heat. It's not, you know, 100% science. All right. How about you you see any of that
0: yeah i mean i was gonna say early october is the earliest i've seen it but it's also good because like, like that's when i've always hunted because we don't have a september opening you know um but i've seen it I think the, i've, I think I've seen tell you run... real early in october yeah it's not it's like you said it's rare i don't see it every year or anything but it happens
1: um I think for the majority of it, I start seeing a kick in annually where you see it every year. Yeah. Just starting to fire up about October 15th.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Rick asks, what height do you hang your cameras at usually? I like to hang mine probably eight feet off the ground, something like that. Just out of reach. Essentially. Um, but sometimes I hang them higher if I'm, I don't know if I if, if the scenario's right. The problem with hanging them real high is you start losing your field of view with your camera. But
1: what about I, you, Dan, I actually prefer to have them at uh, eye level. I, I, yeah. I mean, not eye level, but like stomach level on on me. And that's because you get a better view of the deer's antlers, which is what I'm looking for. Yep. But that's where you start getting cameras stole and messed with and that kind of thing. So, um, up higher is safer if you want to, for your investment. Um, yeah. But you just got to keep in mind that if you put a camera up high, and generally it just takes one stick, just get up a little out of the um, height, eyesight, yeah, eyesight of of a person. But uh, when you sh- when you shine a camera down at a deer, just remember that the the antler tines are going to look a lot shorter than they are. So for me, that's it's been an issue where. Um, on occasion, I think a deer is a lot smaller than it is. Then when I see it or something, I'm like, oh, man, I should have been after that thing. It was a lot bigger than I thought it was.
0: Yep. That's 100% true. There's like that camera, if you put it up in the air, it takes like 15 or 20 inches off the deer sometimes. Mm-hmm. That may be exaggeration. But
1: but- I mean, you put it down low and you can get the wrong picture and think 100-inch deer is 150. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're used to looking from above. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. Um. That's what I do though. So
1: now friends. do you do that for theft or do you do that for so the deer don't see it?
0: Uh, both. Uh, I honestly don't think many people mess with our cameras around here. Um, I just, I don't like my camera to be right in that deer's face or what that he can, he can smell it or anything or put his nose on it or mm-hmm. any of that stuff.
1: Uh, I think they get know. used to it, but I don't, but if you put it anywhere near a bedding area, then they freak out on it Yep. you know i like them back where i hunt and uh, i like to have them a little bit off of the trail but i, I do think they notice them oh I, well, yeah. I know that because you put the camera out there and your first pictures of the deer is like this right you know yeah so you know
0: yeah i'm with you there i just just to what i've i've done and had good luck with over the the years Something else that really hides them, I and mean, you can't do this on public land. But if you know we were talking about private a little bit here, is if you can get one of them little, them little screw-in mounts for a camera. Holy cow! Sometimes you can put them in places that, and you cannot find the camera sometimes with them things. Um, pretty nice for your cameras. But Dan, I think we got to most of the questions tonight, so you're ready to get off here. All right. Go sleep, get some rest, feel better in the morning, hopefully.
2: I'll give try. <laughs>
0: there you go everybody thanks for getting on tonight uh hit that like button before you leave give us a subscribe if you like what we're doing we'll talk to you probably thursday night see you everybody
1: bye